Want to get weird? You can follow The Witching Hours on Facebook and Twitter. Join us on YouTube at youtube.com backslash at The Witching Hours Podcast. Join us on Discord for all of the weirdness. There you will find links to the news, stories, and conversation. And finally, you can purchase The Witching Hours merch at streamlabs.com backslash The Witching Hours Podcast backslash merch. From parts unknown, <laughs> flying through the internet to your device like a UAP, hauntingly unexplained and downright weird. This is the Witching Hours, and we are ready to take off in the flesh of an eye. Good evening to one and all, whenever and wherever you are listening to this program. I am Jonathan Frost, and joining me as always is medium Jenny Lee. So, hey. that's twice. That's twice <laughs> for everyone out there. Uh, only for, uh, for those on the inside. Second time. First time for you guys. Yes. It has been practice, it has been a busy couple of days for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are glad to be able uh, to come to you live tonight. And we have an excellent show for you guys. First off, hello, Keisha, CMC Airboss, Hoaxers, Norris, how is everyone doing? And Hoaxers resubbed five months, it looked like. Thanks. So thanks, hosters. Yeah, thank you so much. You're the bestest. Um, so as you can tell, we'll get more into this on the Friday night uh, Medium Ginny Lee stream tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But as you can tell, things might look a little different. So we'll talk about that later. So we're, we're happy. Yeah. We frantically, uh, we got in last night. We got everything unpacked. We're ready. Uh, we still have pretty much everything still in boxes, <laughs> except for our computers. Except for what you can see. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> and the working parts of the this show that's about yeah. it yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> it's great to see you guys um tonight we ready to get into some news yes please all right show everybody your new news segment intro that you have created it's going to be exciting here we go <laughs> I gotta switch cameras. That's okay. Okay. The news. I've been out of the loop, so I grabbed a couple stories uh, for us. I I had a lot of people. Uh, I know CMC Airboss and Hoaxers uh, and Keisha. We were in Discord uh, talking about what's going on with the submersible. I wasn't even able to catch up with that story until uh, this afternoon. I had no clue what's happening. Uh, but Titanic subs suffered catastrophic implosion. All five aboard are dead, according to uh, Reuters. The five people aboard a missing submersible died in a catastrophic implosion. A U.S. Coast Guard official said on Thursday, bringing a grim end to the international search for the vessel that was lost during a deep sea voyage uh, to the wreck of the Titanic. Um, so... Um, before, before the um, stream started, Cheryl was telling us that she has spent time on a submarine and she knew exactly what was going to happen to those yeah. poor folks 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's sad. Um, I know there's a lot of conversation that can happen about, you know, who, about whether people should be doing it and, and all these things. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad news. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who is for exploration and people pushing the boundaries and frontiers and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, human beings, um, have died. Unfortunately, like I said, I was out of the loop on this. So when I was looking at the stories, I, the first story I read was how they thought they heard noises and they were like ho still hoping to recover. And then I found another story that said that they had found wreckage. So, um, the second story I have for tonight is archaeologists have discovered the world's oldest Neanderthal cave engraving engravings. Mm -hmm. Scientists have discovered the oldest engravings made by Neanderthals in the world, uh, in a, in a, in the, uh, wall of a French cave. Um, I'm pretty sure we ha have known it. Well, we've known about this cave for a long time, but the, the drawings themselves, um, are recently discovered. Uh, their, their lines, curves, dots, uh, dots made by ne uh, Neanderthal fingers, um, that date back 57,000 years ago. Wow. And That's possibly, amazing. yeah, really old and possibly as early as 75,000 years old. Must be it, something about f the French, the French area, because that has been apparently the art world for about 75,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's a good point that you bring up uh, because I was getting ready to get into this is making them the oldest known graphic traces of any human species on a shelter wall in Europe. The discovery that Neanderthals carved out um, uh, La Roche Cotard, a cave near the Loire River, I might be mispronouncing that, illuminates the sophisticated and symbolic behaviors of our long lost relatives who belong to the same human family as Homo sapiens sapiens. Before they went extinct about 40,000 years ago, our human ancestors are so closely related to Neanderthals that our species interbred, leaving a small percentage of Neanderthal DNA in many people alive today. Um, yes, despite the shared ancestry, our extinct cousins were saddled for decades with unflattering assessments about their cognitive abilities relative to Homo sapiens. In recent years, a brutish stereotype of Neanderthals has been challenged by a series of discoveries that suggest they were culturally complex humans who buried their dead and expressed themselves artistically the, mm -hmm. uh, through evidence of their symbolic behavior is rare and often hotly debated among experts. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's art, it's human art dating back possibly as long as 75,000 years ago. Um, Amazing. So, uh, one of the researchers um, who, who had been working on this um, was actually doing research in this cave. The cave was discovered in 1912. Uh, he was doing um, work on it in 1975 and just recently went back and started doing more work there. And I think a, the article said 2008. Um, and in 1975, a lot of what he was discovering there was kind of being blown off because of the uh, kind of mm -hmm. bias of what science yeah. thought about Neanderthals. So we always um, seem to think that we're the smartest yeah. in the universe for some stupid reason. <laughs> well, I do know that Neanderthals actually had bigger brains than humans, same mm. Homo sapiens sapiens. So mm. mm -hmm. um, we don't know what exactly that means, but uh, you can imagine. What else you got for us tonight, Frosty? Yeah. Um, 
Bombshell letter reveals Canadian politicians' concerns of covert UFO programs involving Canada and the Five Eyes Alliance. In a bombshell letter, Canadian politician Larry McGuire has urged Canada's Minister of National Defense to request a briefing which could verify that Canada and the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance are involved in a secretive program concerning the recovery and exploitation of materials originating from unidentified anomalous phenomena. UAP. Mm. The letter came into possession of an investigative journalist, Jeremy Corbell, and some of you may know George Knapp, who prepared, who premiered details on our podcast. Um, and so essentially we have, uh, um, here we go again, uh, more uh, politicians, government officials um, asking for more information for their government to um, disclose more information on what they know about UAPs, UFOs. Um, if you're not familiar, um, the uh, the organization they're talking about there, the the, the Five Eyes, that's the um, American, uh, 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 Great Britain, Australia, Canada, New Zealand. Um, mm. So all those governments connected there on sharing information they know about. UAP. So we'll see if anything comes out of that. You know, typically in the past, I would have not thought anything about it. But here lately, there sometimes seems to actually be information that has been coming out. So we'll see if we get anything else. And speaking of, that's a great segue. Yeah. To <laughs> our guest uh, this evening, uh, Cheryl Costa, New York native. Uh, she enjoyed a 32-year aerospace, uh, aerospace industry career at Lockheed Martin, um, completed a bachelor's degree um, with the State University of New York um, at Empire State College in entertainment writing and production, a three-time published contributing mystery writer in the popular mystery, uh, mystery anthology Adirondack Mysteries and Other Mountain Tales, Volume 1, 2, and 3, and has written groundbreaking books um, including UFO sightings, desk reference, United States of America, 2001 through 2015 and 2001 through 2020, the UFO beat UFO scholar, uh, state statistics series in 2021. Uh, she published magical musings of a rogue, witch, a book about personal magical practice in her life as a, as a Wicca clergy for 44 years. Please welcome guests to our show. Cheryl Costa. How are you doing, Cheryl? I'm doing fine. <laughs> Excellent. Ross, you don't forget to switch the scene We're back. We're there. <laughs> there we go. Flippity flop there. <laughs> so is there anything that you wanted to say about that last uh, news thing we had going on today about the, um, had you heard about that yet? Oh, I've got, I'm, I'm up to my knees in it. <laughs> um, so uh, let's say uh, I just came back from contact in the desert in um, Palm Springs. And I was one of the eight panelists discussing how the, the disclosures coming about right now and how the shambles of this uh, highly covert activity of lying to us all these years um, has been is starting to crumble. Mm -hmm. So beyond that, I'm, I, I really can't comment further. Okay. I love that you said shambles. <laughs> uh, let's say it this way. Okay. Let's say it this way. If the truth completely comes out. Okay. Um, it's going to make the Watergate scandal 
look like two guys brawling in the boys' room. <laughs> yeah. It, it the the word used in the intelligence community is if this comes out, it's catastrophic. Okay, yeah. so it's gonna be fun to watch. I, I, I've got a popcorn stocked up. I'm just the guy. <laughs> you yes. Know. One of the, this probably should be the last question I ask, but this will be the first question because we've been talking about this uh, quite a bit on this show and in other places we've been hanging out with everyone. Are we living in an age of disclosure right now? It's hard for me to determine whether we're living in an age of misinformation, if there's real disclosure, if it's disclosure and people don't realize it's disclosure. What do you think is going on? Uh, there's a lot of misinformation put out there. Okay, that's to, what we were afraid of, Cheryl. Clo to cloak um, real truth. Uh -huh. Okay, uh, my spouse Linda and I produced all you know the largest collection of UFO statistics ever published in human history. Okay, fifty-five books worth of it, and the American media is sitting on it. Uh -huh. They won't talk to you about it, and they don't want us telling how big the numbers are. But I'll give one number for your audience. There are 3,135 counties in the United States. Between 2001 and 2020, 3,030 counties reported UFOs. Wow. Only 105 did not in that 20-year period. And they are rural, they are poor, and lacking for uh, um, rural broadband. So most likely they probably did. They just couldn't. They may have. It. They just yeah. wasn't easy for them to report. Yeah. There are 41,695 wow. zip codes, 18,605 reported UFOs. And we can track what shapes and where they are all over the United States with our database. We're, we're the only ones with it. Wow. That's amazing. That is. Yeah, that's staggering. I mean, I think those numbers are staggering. Yeah. Well, they're, they're like the second and third slide in our presentation of 160 slides <laughs> and you can hear a gasp and a draw of vacuum in the room where they go <gasps> <laughs> nobody yeah. knows it's that big you know yeah because i you know i've had my own personal sighting before i've had one sighting and i've had friends who have had sightings i don't think any of us ever really thought to report it just because it was like well i don't know what that was Okay, the statistic you know? on that is one in 257 people report what they see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not bad for a kid that flunked math in high school. <laughs> so uh, so I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more tidbit that goes with that. Okay. Um, people say to me, well, Cheryl, they can't all be real. Okay, did you take out the kooks, nuts, and crackpots, they say to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I say, so, so I should take some off the top. And they say, yeah. And usually what I'll do is the other researchers say 70% is really noise. So let's keep 30%. But there are people out there who are hedging their bets and they probably sleep with a nightlight because they're afraid that some tiny percentage are the real thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. 2001 to 2020, there was a, in the United States, the two major databases combined 167,632 reported sightings. Okay. Think about that a minute. That's a lot. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Now, if we take 99% away and say, those are the real starships. Okay. That works out to 1,676 for 20 years, 84 per year, and seven starships a month coming to the United States every month for the 240 months of 20 years. That would probably still make them have to change their underwear. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that, keep their that's nightlight another, on. <laughs> that's another one when you do that in front of a very large audience. Yeah. The, the wind going back in the audience is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that. Good word. And I mean, using those statistics, I, you know, I would say, you know, that's not, that's not some rogue, you know, that's not a rogue sighting. That to me, those numbers would suggest that there are there's something here, and there's so, something here consistently, and there's something here in large numbers, regularly scheduled. Trust me. Yes. But okay, but let's, let's go down that path for a moment. Um, if if you look at the numbers, tell a story, and statistics, as they say, don't lie. Correct. Numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're sat on when we can't. We launched our fifty book series. Last Samhain to uh, to um, uh, uh, winter solstice, we put out all fifty books. We had built them all, and we put them all up on Amazon in that six week window. Hey, magical household here, right? <laughs> okay, and we gave it a real kick. Um, there are many thousands of newspapers in the country. I picked a hundred and fifty of them, and only three would do a story about the scale of this, these numbers. And we could give it to them down to the village and zip code level, level in their state. And they still went yawn. Wow. Yeah. It, it's just been, uh, it's been pushed on us for so long that it's just not, it can't be true. And it's just, yeah, you know, the crackpots and the weirdos that think that it's happening. And well, they came yeah. to us in, 2009, in uh, 2019, the, uh, the people I'm going to call the usual suspects, they are our lobbyists in D.C., and they're very talented people, okay? They came to us in 2019. We, none of us knew COVID was coming. Oh, yeah. And they said to us, uh, Senator Rubio is going to put a bill to some kind of package, uh, some kind of bill uh, attached something for congressional hearings, and it's going to be done hooked to some bill he knows will pass, a continuing spending bill from the military or something like that, right? We didn't know it'd be COVID, you know. <laughs> but um, so they said, you women are the only two people who have ever done the statistics. Not even Project Blue Book did that. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to testify before Congress have called? And we said, yeah, okay, we'd be happy to do our duty, but please understand, we both had 30-year careers in Washington, D.C. as federal contractors. You work your whole career hoping never have to testify before yeah. Congress, you know? <laughs> so at, we said, yeah, sure, we'll do it. And then afterwards, we, we have English tea in our household, okay? So we were sitting there talking about this over tea, and we decided, well, you want to... Again, we're a couple of gay women, we're witches, you know, there were people who didn't take us serious, especially in the UFO community, okay? We said, we want, we know what a congressional hearing looks like, and if those guys are up there thumbing through a big, thick book, we want people to know it's our book. So we made the cover bright fuchsia, you can flag an aircraft <laughs> with this thing. 
Perfect. And it's dedicated to another woman, too. So. <laughs> Love it. That'll get their attention. It's a house full of pushy witches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know, and that, that's one thing that strikes uh, me, too. And welcome in, uh, Barnacle. Um, you know, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about, uh, and, and like you said, Medium, Jenny Lee, about the, the crackpots and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, that's the thing that I think really, not that anybody's eyewitness should, uh, you know, should necessarily be discredited. Um, everyone has their experience. Um, but I think the thing that sticks out the most to me is that so many people who have witnessed these events are military, police officers, security guards, not that trained, those jobs trained observers exactly yeah. that's exactly as i say not that that gives them any more necessarily credibility in my mind but they're trained to look around and see what's going on mm-hmm. um and you know uh police officers uh you know military all you know all all types of people that see these things and so usually when i talk to someone you know that doesn't think that this stuff is going on they you know they automatically kind of try to you know say well that is some um, person out in the country you know who's had too much moonshine and but that's not necessarily who's seen these and i think that's been part of my confusion with me trying to figure out what's going on lately because there's been those uh navy videos that have been released and uh you know this is something that i feel like the government wants the well at least in america i feel like the government wants the american people to take it seriously but i don't but then at the same time if if they wanted us to take it seriously, why wouldn't they release more information? <laughs> no, I think ET's pushing it. Okay, remember we started getting really good stuff like in the early two thousands, uh, like the uh, the incident with like the Nimitz and all that sort of thing. Yeah. They've been harassing our fleet and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the the feeling with a couple of us is is that our ecology is on a tipping point. Okay, and if you talk to our data shows that they hang around all of our waste sites, all of our um, dead coal fields, get dead gas fields, dead uh, oil fields, dead coal fields, strip mines, all that stuff. The super fun sites, you know, really super polluted rivers, super polluted lakes, that type of thing. Our statistics show and um, the data from our, what we've put together. Another researcher did this in concert with us, found out that they their track their they're they're following our waste areas and if you talk to the people who have interviewed thousands of experiencers that people have been touched by et et they say hey they're, they're great people they're really spiritual and they tell us to take care take care of our planet and uh, the a more gross way they say it is don't pee in your nest mm-hmm. and that's what we've been doing as a as a human culture we just use it up spit it out and go get some more new and um they see this tipping point and we think they are finally had it with the world government's keeping this a secret and they are taking a hand by showing themselves very visibly to everybody um to force these our, our leadership around the world to come clean with us i love that yeah it's um i hope that's what it has i hope that is what it's yeah yeah. Yeah, I mean cuz because then you wonder, you know, if there's been contact between some kind of ET and our government before asking for 
disclosure and their government's refusal to. I don't know if you're familiar, and I I want to say it was Brookings. I can't remember the name of the institute. I need to look this up again. But I I know in the in the '90s a um, a study was done that talked about uh, if if the government were to disclose uh, proof of extraterrestrial life and that it had visited planet Earth that our society could possibly crumble. Eh, okay. Let's go back to, like, Roswell, okay? When I first started being a newspaper reporter after I retired from Lockheed, I, my, my column, the pit, when I went out and pitched a, a bunch of newspapers, I pitched them the idea of a weekly column on UFOs, and I got laughed out of the office every place. And finally, a guy by the name of Larry Dietrich, he's passed now, he was the editor-in-chief of the Syracuse New Times, and he said, I can't write that thing, but I'm I'm sympathetic to the topic matter. I know you can write it. I'll try you out for a month. And of course, he had this tone of the Dread Pirate Roberts, almost like it's like to kill you in a month, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I did it. He called me up. Get over here. And about a, four weeks later, I thought, oh, that's it. You know, well, at least I got four articles published. And I yeah. I come into the meeting ten minutes late. He's talking to the other columnists. He stops, points at me, and says, there's our rock star. And I go, what are you talking about? He says, you've been here a month, and you're pulling more web page views than all of our columnists combined. Keep doing wow. it. Awesome. Wow. And then six months later, they told me I was not only pulling a New York State audience, I was carrying a national audience. And at the Christmas party, the publisher gets up there with the digital editor, and they say she's pulling an international audience on a dinky <laughs> weekly up here in New York, you know. <laughs> so um, we had an illustrious seven years of doing doing that. And the thing I kept running into talking with people and interviewing people and then reporting stories that I felt had some substance was that something more was going on, something bigger is happening, especially when I talked to the experiencers, the, what the people I felt were genuine. Yeah. You know, people say, how do you judge that? Sometimes when you're sitting there talking to somebody, I've known a lot of combat veterans, I'm a combat veteran myself, and you start talking to them about something they did, and you can see them start shaking. You can see the sweat beating up on their forehead. You can see that they're having little PTSD episode and they are there again. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you see this sort of thing with the genuine experiencers. Okay. You, you see a certain physical stress come over them. So I've been very convinced about all of that for a long, long time. And that's what got me and Linda a, writing a newspaper column. People say, wow, that must be fun writing a newspaper column. It's an 800 word term paper every Thursday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. People don't realize that. And there were many a Wednesday I would be sitting there pulling my hair out. And my dear wife, Linda, who is my muse and hedge witch over here, she, <laughs> sa she says, you haven't looked at this and you haven't talked about that. And have you ever considered looking at this other thing, you know, and one of those things would spark my interest and I'd spend the rest of the day, Wednesday, researching and writing. So, um, thank goodness for Linda. Thank goodness, <laughs> goodness for Linda, you know, yeah. so, but that's about the biggest thing I can tell you about the, about the UFO stuff right now. It, let us say it this way. We are living in special times because a lot of work has been done. To, um, I, I harassed my, when I'm still living in New York State, I harassed um, Chuck Schumer for the better part of seven years. We, I put 
the newspaper, I wrote an open letter to the New York State congressional delegation. They made it a half-page article in the paper saying, if one of you comes out and says we need UFO hearings, they'll think you're crazy. But if the entire New York State delegation says that, there's some weight behind it. Do it, please. Mm -hmm. And they got to the point where the, my email wouldn't even work for Senator Schumer's <laughs> office, okay? They banned it. <laughs> but when hearings got launched, I got a full-page letter from Senator Schumer thanking Ooh. me for my advocacy for seven years. He unbanned you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about witchcraft. Yeah. Well, you know that, I mean, that's interesting because, you know, you just wonder how many of these, you know, these elected officials get in office and go, I'm going to find out what's going on. And then very quickly have their hands slapped, you know, well, a little trick about being an, a uh, an activist person. Okay. Uh, you know, the word transgender, I was one of the six people who got it into the lexicon back in the bad old days of the early 80s. Wow. Okay. Um, Well-documented State University of New York has taken my papers. These, they love their social activists in New York State. Mm -hmm. um, but you, if you look at it from the standpoint of uh, being an activist, you have to be fearless. Okay. And by the time I got around to being a UFO person, I had to wait until I was out from underneath all my security clearances before I could come public and start talking about the topic matter. I kept everything I knew to myself, all the reading I had done, I kept it to myself until I was like 18 months out of my clearance. And I said, okay, now I can do this. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've had no experiences in the military except when I saw in Cameron Bay, Vietnam and Christmas Eve, 1971. But beyond that, I've had no official stuff with it. Okay. And that's the honest truth. But people say, well, aren't you afraid the men in black are going to come see you? I said, look, I'm a combat veteran. I climb telephone poles and people, uh, telephone poles in Vietnam. People shoot at you on those things. <laughs> I've been the test step on a nuclear submarine. I've been through a sex change. What the heck else do you got? <laughs> you know, I'm not, yeah. very little I'm scared of, you know. So yeah. my attitude is, this is lightweight, okay? And I'm mm -hmm. not afraid of them. So I've been doing what I do. And so, yes, we've been followed around and had our phone tapped and, you know, black cars, wow. tinted windshields in front of the house. Yeah, yeah. We've been you down this road. smile and wave and blow them a kiss. <laughs> I've been known to take them, take them out warm, warm coffee, you know, yeah. when to see these guys going. You know? <laughs> so no big deal. Yeah. Let's talk about witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I do want to mention to, uh, to everyone uh, who is with us live. Um, before this comes out uh, for the podcast, uh, I know that you have, uh, you said you had a, a, a database and the spreadsheets of sightings and all those kinds of things. Uh, I did mention earlier uh, that we're located here in Virginia. So if, um, if anyone is curious, what's going About on in their neck UFO of the woods? Sightings. Throw it uh, out there. Yeah. Virginia. Use, okay. Yeah. Here you go. Virginia. Uh, over 20 years, 3,286, basically about th 3,300 reported sightings, an average of 164 per year, about uh, 14 a month, about three a week, and a half of one a day. And the heavy places are, okay, in county-wise, Virginia Beach, Fairfax County, Richmond City, Prince William County, Alexandria City, and Loudoun County. The top cities were Richmond, Alexandria, Roanoke, Chesapeake, Fairfax, and Fredericksburg. 
There you go. That's where we saw his enrichment. The charts and graphs and tables here to make your math teacher spin. There you go. (laughs) And that's all over the state. That goes all the way from the west to the east, from the Mm -hmm. south to the north. Yep. The whole state. Um, I used to be a Virginia girl. You know, oh, down, yeah. there, down, down there in Manassas, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who else wants to know their state? Throw it out there. Yeah. If you're if you're curious where you're at, what's going on, let us know. Um, uh, yeah. I saw mine in Richmond. Take a, keep, keep a little list or I'll look them up real yeah. quick. Okay. So, but, um, let's talk about witchcraft. <laughs> for, for sure. Uh, I, I want to mention um, if you want, if you want to know, we'll go back to it. Uh, highlight your highlight it in channel points and we'll have a, uh, our wonderful mod, our mod or Jenny, keep track of it. And we'll, we'll kind of touch on that later and go over some more of those. I'm writing it down right now. Now, Air Boss made a comment over here. He says, Washington. Is he talking Washington State or Washington, D.C.? Washington State. Okay, that's a different that's a different ball game. And Washington State is in the top 10 of states. Wow. With there you go, CMC. Top 10. And the top, just a real quick thing. The top 10. California. Florida and Texas in that order have been in that order since 2006. The other seven states that are in the top 10, they play musical chairs every year, except mm. for Arizona, which has been consistently as number seven for better part of eight or nine years. Okay. Wow. So, um, and as far as Washington, D.C. Is, is concerned, the research we determined said that the sightings actually happen more in the suburbs. 80 uh, 75-80% of the sightings occur after 6 o'clock at night, most of it between 8.30 and 11.30 at night. Basically, that last smoke out on the deck, uh, that last nightcap drink with your old lady on the back porch, um, walking the dog, having a cigarette, that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. it's that human activity, which is when people see them. The other 75% of the day, from 1 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, only represents about 25% of the sightings. Wow. Isn't math a wonderful thing? Yes. Yeah. Um. So witchcraft, yeah. witchcraft. Tell us, you were just saying yeah. you have been re- <laughs> you've, you've been reinstituted as what? What is it that you just got called oh, to be again? Goodness gracious! <laughs> I, th- that book, Magical Musings of a Rogue Witch, was my retirement book. In my lineage, there's an expectation you'll write a book about something as you retire. It might be the history of your coven or coven family or something, or your life as a witch or something like this. And um, I had basically written uh, a first manuscript back in 2004. My adult adept, magical adept daughter looked at it. I did not train her. Friends of mine did. And mom's stupid, but, you know, what what is she going (laughs) to teach me about magic, you know? And um, she said, you can't give this out. You've made magic too easy. You're handing out loaded shotguns to third graders, you idiot, you know? So... I put it on the shelf for about eight months, a year, something like that. And it took it out one Saturday afternoon, read it, took it out, put it on the backyard grill, poured lighter fluid on it and burnt the manuscript. I didn't like it either. So uh, after 2020, I had written a lot of essays. Remember 2020, we were all dressed up, no place to go. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. I wrote a lot of essays and all of them are in the book. Uh, and I got to Ohio and said, you know, I only have to write a few more things to kind of glue it all together. So and that's what I did. And my attitude is I feel that we've been teaching magic ass backwards for 80 years. 
because when you think about it, they usually everybody usually starts out with a little bit of spell casting and everything. And I talk to people over the years and say, oh, I don't bother with divining stuff. I just do spell casting. But how are you going to do effective spell casting if you're not connected to source? Mm, uh -huh. Okay, and that's been my argument. So since about 2004, I have been teaching meditation techniques and things like that first before we teach any kind of spell casting that sounds that sounds right to me my hair's too long okay <laughs> okay okay go ahead mine too mine too <laughs> your hair's too long <laughs> so what is it that you uh were a part of for all those years well uh i got into okay i was raised a good i was a good catholic boy and that, I just thought of myself to everybody. I'm a tranny lady. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I was in the Navy and um, I had been in Vietnam. I left Catholicism when I was 17. And when I was in the Air Force, I went, the guys in the barracks went to churches off base. So I went to church with everybody. Been to more tent revivals and river baptisms. You can shake a stick at. Uh, I watched my pen. I watched the Pentecostal friends there dancing with snakes and all, I, all that stuff. I always liked going to the Mormons, though. They always gave you a nice dinner and showed you a great movie afterwards. You know, so uh, I always did that. Um, I got in Vietnam and I had some Native American friends that were part of the uh, the base construction squadron. I was in telephone construction, so we kind of worked together every now and then. And one day a couple of them were we were having some drink beers or something like that and we were talking and they looked at me and says kid you're a two souls i said what's this don't worry coyote will tell you one of these days you know and it was years before i understood what they were talking about okay so the bottom line is um again this hair is being a problem tonight <laughs> i don't know why Okay, um, so I got in the Navy. I uh, went through two years worth of very high-tech school I can't tell you about. And then I got on board ship, and there was this guy walking around. He had a pinnacle, like, and he had it mounted so high, it was above his T-shirt. And he was one of the cooks. And I looked at him, and I said, I was somewhat well-read on pheno psychic phenomena and that kind of thing, right? But I looked at him, and I said, are you a Satanist? <laughs> no, and he came down my throat telling me he was something called Wicca. I had never heard of that, you know. So I made peace with the guy, and I used to come down to when he was doing the laundry for the officer. She could sit in there, the machine noises. You, we could have a great conversation, but nobody could hear what we were yeah. talking about. Mm -hmm. And we talked, and he got me pretty smart on some things and gave me reading material while we were at sea, okay, um, Gardnerian Wicca. And I was initiated a year later on the submarine in the North Atlantic. Wow. We were down in the lower diesel in the front of the ship, eight of us, hand in hand around the thing, we had a little goddess statue up on the tool shelf where they <laughs> mechanics put the wrenches and stuff. Uh, my sacred bath was a glass of fresh water poured over my head and our, our cakes and ale was a can of grape knee high and a, a, and a muffin we snagged from the galley, you know, <laughs> but um, but we were all very closeted about it. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, I was uh, considered, since the majority of the people in the circle, Alexandrian tradition, I was considered Alexandrian. And then in the 80s, I, I got second degree, second degree Alexandrian and third degree Alexandrian. Okay. And uh, sometime later, I got to be a priestess person because a whole point, Virginia, I moved to Virginia. <laughs> 
and I'm oh, in Manassas, this, Virginia, this thinking, yeah. thinking I am I am in the oppressed Bible Belt. No one's ever going to, I'm not going to find another witch down here to save my life. <laughs> and you'd, be, you'd have your little pentacle ring on, and you'd be in some place getting some pierced ears or something, pierced earrings or something <laughs> like that, and someone would look at you, oh, you're Wicca? Are you teaching classes at anything? <laughs> you know, next thing, within a month of being down there, both my spouse and I had about eight people over the house for a circle. Awesome. You know, and it was nuts. So, um, Coverstone Hill Circle, I remember it well. Um, so, that was our first, and then it grew and grew and grew. And then by 1991, I'm a former industrial filmmaker for IBM. I went to film school for uh, first, and went to film school for, I went to writing school. And uh, I made a lot of industrial movies. And I had wanted to do one about witchcraft. And then what, it hit us to do this idea of doing a, uh, a talk show. And I got, I got connected up with a, a station in uh, Arlington, Virginia. And I talked them into, I pitched the idea of a, of a weekly half hour show studio show kind of a talk show kind of thing uh, about witchcraft and the most that they would give me is six episode contract as a summer replacement mm. okay mm -hmm. so i said okay fine i wasn't gonna get arrogant about it i'll take what they're offering me and okay but a couple of weeks later we started taping them doing like two shows uh, every time we rented the studio would do two or three shows and put them in the cam we were going to have them all ready to go so they could just run them when they did and about our fourth show uh i get a phone call from the studio uh cheryl uh, a 300 word story went out on the associated press this afternoon about your witchcraft show we're not even on the air yet with it I said, really? He says, did we get some press ink? And he says, uh, no, Cheryl, but CBC and CBS News are in the lobby and they want to talk to your witches. Wow. Okay. Uh, and that's <laughs> that. We were on the evening news that night in D.C. My boss was on my desk in the morning when I came into work. He says, general manager called me up five minutes after that story ran on Channel 7. And oh, jeepers, what, what are you doing? I said, are you buying advertising on my show? No. <laughs> then I'm not going to talk about you. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about IBM. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay, fine. So we did that. And that article hit other press. And suddenly the station's calling me up every day, telling me they had six or seven up to upwards of 12 talk, talk radio shows, things like that, calling us up. This went on for 12 weeks. Wow. Eight to ten or twelve organizations wanting to do a, a video interview. Of course, DC is the media capital of the world. So, Larry King had us on. Wow, that's so cool. This, uh, uh, June 6, nineteen ninety one. It's the night we debuted, and we had us both on there. We were both very pretty and everything. Of course, fifty thousand people called the show and said, "That's a man in a dress," because I don't, I don't disguise my voice, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> And uh, that was kind of awkward for them. But Larry asked me a question. He said, do you do bad spells? I said, no, it's too much work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a lazy witch, you know. Uh, and, so that's how, and that led to foreign press. Remember, D.C.'s capital of the world for mm -hmm. all that. They, they all, all Europe has bureaus there. Mm -hmm. Italian TV showed up. Uh, you pick, a, the only people who didn't visit us were the communist Chinese and the Soviets. Wow. 
Okay, Entertainment Tonight came and did a big piece with us. And they asked me, what would a, what would a program look like to really, truly represent the witchcraft that you see? I said, kind of a cross between Bewitched and 30-something. And it wasn't long after some producers talked to us and interviewed us privately, had coffee and lunch with us, and then they went out and produced Buffy. They went out and produced Charmed. Wow. Okay. We're credited with one riot. The name of the show is called Kestrel and Company. If you spell Kestrel with a Y, I, I, you'll probably, we, we have about six or seven episodes that are surviving. Remember, this was all on an old beta tape, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, they're up on the internet, on um, um, Google, uh, whatever you call it. Uh, I don't know. And stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Excellent. Old, 70 years old, you know, old Swiss <laughs> cheese for a head. Uh, so um, what happened was uh, Entertainment Tonight did this. We had did this stuff and everything. And uh, the president of the TV station came to us. Remember, we only had a contract for six episodes. Mm -hmm. She came to me, put two pieces of paper in front of me. He says, sign them. I said, what did I do? Are you being sued or something? He says, <laughs> yeah. she, she looks at me and says, no, there are two 13-week contracts. Sign them. And I signed them, and we were signed to 26 more weeks. Wow. In all, we produced um, 60 regular episodes, a total of 70 shows. We did five specials, okay? Um, back in those days, in the early 90s, remember the cable systems in most places, maybe 10, maybe 15 channels in a big city like D.C., maybe 25 or 30 channels, you know, mm -hmm. national. New, new networks were coming online all the time. A predecessor network to one of the networks is on now came to us and said, how would you like to take your show national with sponsors and all of this? And the witch cabal in D.C. came to us and said, we don't want a transsexual priestess representing us. And I wasn't even the host of the show. I was just the executive wow. producer, but I was showing up on all these news interviews. Mm -hmm. Okay, and they made it. They made a point. He says, "We'll shut off your stream of guests. We'll make you non grata. You will never get another person on on this show or your radio show or anything like that." And I'm a talk show host too. So we uh, said, "Oh, okay." So I just walked away. Wow. I walked away. We had a 25 year old host. She did a brilliant job. I ran everything from behind. And when we got to the point where. Oh, you were about two years, about eh, maybe 50 episodes in. Um, she was folk singing and she had to go on a couple of tours. So if you go on tour for a month, we, we used to record four shows on a single day. So I had to fill in for her. So I put nice dress on, got pretty and went out there and did those four episodes with the guests we had. Well, so when this national network came, they said, we like you better than her. Okay, I'm big and boisterous and all that stuff, right? <laughs> all right, so that, that's when the word got around and the, the, the cabal basically squashed me and said, no. In fact, for the next five years, I had a talk radio program in town. And even if I wanted to have witches on, I had to go to Llewellyn and get their people, you know, uh, Raven Gramasi and guys like that, uh, Silver Raven Wolf people, because I couldn't get anybody else local to be on because the word had been put out, you can't be on her show. That is wow. insane. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's, that's how I got kind of really known for the witch. We are responsible for one riot. 
So what, what is what was what is that <laughs> Yeah, you'll love this. You'll love this. This is four or five months after we've been on. I get a call from Bill Greenwood at at ABC News. I know him. Okay, he calls me up. And says, "Hey, Cheryl, do you guys know you caused a riot in Rome?" I said, in "What Rome? <laughs> like Rome, Rome? Like Rome like in Italy? Rome, Rome? <laughs> yes, Rome, Italy." And I says, "What do you What do you mean? How?" He said, you did an interview with Italian people, right? And I said, yeah. You guys did an interview with Italian Look, right? And I said, yeah. And you did an interview with Rome Channel 4, right? And I said, yeah. I mean, there are bureaus here. You know, and they said, okay. Both those magazines hit the newsstand the same week. And that was also the same week that Rome Channel 4 ran their 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock hour documentary family series, ran the thing about us. And when that finished airing, the word that we, we understood, all these women started coming out of their high rises in Rome and started marching through the alleys and streets and more women were joining them and they were chanting. And from what he told me, when they got to the gates of the Vatican, they were almost 3000 strong chanting in Italian. We are the witches. We have returned. Oh. <laughs> all yes, because of right. a $50 a week cable access program. <laughs> You're right. I love it. I would have been, I would have been in there. But when we took the show off the air, when we did the last shows, when we took it off the air, we were interviewed by uh, a major uh, paper, uh, a a notable one. And the the guy who did the review on it made the comment and says, here's two kitchen, which is in Laurel, Maryland produced 70 episodes of television. The world is eating from their hand. World news organization is eating from their hand. And they produce this show for an average of 50 to to $100 a week. What do they know that the moguls and lawyers in Hollywood don't? <laughs> Maybe that's real magic. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> real, the real magic. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that, that whole thing with the press or the AP story. Um, we did a... Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, but it's been a long day. Uh, our, our merch, uh, 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 Equinox, or a spring, uh, spring Mysteries thing, mm-hmm. uh, offering. We made an offering for fertility to bring visibility to our show. Mm. Okay, and that was the magic that we worked mm. for that. And I'm drawing blanks on Sabbath names right now because I'm on camera, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's been a long day. I've, I've been hired by a... Again, I said I thought I was I thought I was retired, and then the goddess leaves you a little message on your answering machine. There's this little known, seldom used reserve activation clause. You know, <laughs> you're back in business, hon. You know, uh, working with the goddess is like working for the CIA. You can take sabbaticals, but you never quit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, basically, I got hired by a, um, a a local Unitarian church. It hasn't been formally announced, so I can't say which one. But I got hired by a Unitarian church. I'm going to be there. A pagan chaplain and we're going to be doing uh running a good group inside the thing not a cups chapter but we're going to be running a good uh pagan affinity group in the in the in the congregation uh where we just announced we're going to be doing a year and a day class and upward we'll take up to upwards of 50 or 75 students for it i've got a, a laundry list of like 14 or 15 national speakers who are going to come on in zoom calls in our in our three-hour lectures over that year and a day kind of thing they are going to get a world-class year and a day class Wow. And then uh, then the other thing is uh, we're going to start opening up 
the church facilities for the eight Sabbaths of the year. It won't make it a, a, a ritual and a, a dinner, a, a bring a dish to pass kind of event. Now, I did a thing like that up in Syracuse, New York, uh, back in um, 2019, going into 2020. And of course, COVID hit us. But um, bottom line, our first couple of things, we thought maybe 15, 20 people would show up. We had 60 people for the first one. And we wow. had to start planning for a large, we started going out and talking to fire halls because we were afraid we were gonna get like 300 people showing up, you know? Um, so this is the kind of stuff I've been doing over the years. Um, planting little seeds and having very big blossoms yeah okay well you know i mean that's um, always i mean that's always a thing too in terms of i mean when people are marginalized or they feel like they're on the outside they're always looking for their thing to be able to connect with so to be able to get something out on tv um that people feel like they can identify with and become part of i mean it happens in every in everything from religion or i mean just for an example like i felt that way in the 90s with headbangers ball right <laughs> they're playing my music or they're doing my uh -huh. thing and and it's um just a human response really you know and that so that's that's wonderful that's actually absolutely i think thing your audience should understand yes we had a very highly visible internationally talked about television program about witchcraft and yeah. it was straight up, there was nothing hokey about it. It was, uh, it would be always, uh, the first season she was sitting on a pillow there in front of a coffee table with uh, uh, altar stuff on it. And her friends, uh, the people she's interviewing are sitting on pillows and there was, there was incense smoke wafting through the air and things like this. It was great for cinematography kind of thing. And in the second season we were, we moved to a fireplace in the center and a couple wing back chairs and had the, the casual um, mm. thing there. But the bottom line on the whole thing was, we never made a cent on it. All yeah. we ever made the wish to use the magic for was to bring the resources to us, not the money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so that, that, I mean, that's always the best magic. Ask for the resources. Don't ask for money. God laugh at you when he asks for money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, am I rich and famous? I, I have a pension and I live on a pension and I do what pensioners do, as they say. But the bottom line, but bottom line on all of this is that it was good magic all the way around. We did, we did everybody, the 50 or 60 people who volunteered to come in when we did a circle, when Entertainment Tonight was there, we had 50, 60 people in the studio and we were doing a, a, a Sabbath ritual. Okay. Um, there's a, a writer that's very famous with uh, Llewellyn, he says his name is uh, Evo Dominguez Jr. Mm -hmm. Okay. Evo was the high priest sitting with Kestrel doing, doing the ceremony in the center of it, you know. So um, I know everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And back in those days, none of us were anybody. Okay. Yeah. And uh, th that's how we did. That's the kind of stuff we did there. But mostly I was a teacher. Okay. I went and had a. I was invited to a retreat in New Mexico. Not a brochure, not a slick colored brochure. It was a handwritten letter. I had been on global television, for goodness sakes. I thought, oh, this is an invitation to come down for a grand necktie party. You know, <laughs> I'm not going down there, you know. And so I threw the letter in the garbage can. Two of my senior students fished it out <laughs> i was poor as a church mass i was I, I just 
only a few years out of having had a divorce and having had my gender change and all the costs that went into that, I was poor as a church mouse. They rose up enough money to buy me an airline ticket and give me some spending money to take with me and all this stuff. So I went to a Native American lawyer that I knew. He represented tribes in federal court. Because most things, if, if it's anything serious, it has to be done in federal court because it's a federal to the nations mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I said, Bear, could you look into this for me? And he said, sure. You know, I came back about a week later. He handed back the letter, handed me a book. He says, go, put your affairs in order before you go, but go. I said, put my affairs in order. I mean, and you're talking, I'm going to die or something. He yeah. says, you might, but he says, I, I doubt it, but you might not want to come back. Mm. Oh, okay. So we did all this. Plus this book, he says, read this before you go. I said, can I read it when I come back? He says, your life depends on it. So I read the book the entire time I was flying out there with layovers and all that stuff. Um, I got my spiritual butt handed to me on a platter. <laughs> uh, it was a couple of uh, Apache Mescalero medicine guys with a couple of other people like myself who were two souls. Okay. Oh, and here it comes back around. Yeah. yeah. So and what does it mean? Well, it, there's more to, okay, here we go. What does this all mean? <laughs> so we got it explained to us and, um, but we got our butts handed to us. Now, when I went there, I was known in those days as Lady Cassandra St. John. Okay. Fine. Um, in fact, back in D.C., with all the people who knew me, the, my 106 students that I had at the time at every level of training, everybody called me Cassandra. The only people who called me Cheryl were the IRS and my boss. Honest to goodness, that was the deal. Maybe my parents, but they weren't talking. They don't talk to me. OK, uh, I'm a witch. You know, OK, so um, I said. Okay, so I come down off the mountain. I'm fried. I don't know I'm fried, but I'm fried. And I called into D.C. to two people to tell them, okay, everything went well. I'm flying home. These are the flights I'm going to be in. Pick me up at the airport. Fine. But when I called them, I said, hi, this is Cheryl. They knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. I got back, had my doctor look me over. He said, I think you had a microstroke. Go to my therapist. Okay. She looks at me and she says, I was a non-practicing Jew when I first met you two years ago. He said, she says, I am back deeply into my faith because you're the most spiritual being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I think the sky opened up. God talked to you and it blew every one of your breakers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I go into a retreat. I hand off my 107 students at that point to about seven other priestesses. I go into retreat. People came into my apartment. You, you could come in my, my apartment. It looks like an anthropology museum. Crossbows, spears, shields, um, um, air, bows and arrows, a primitive type thing. You know, all this stuff in there. You know, it looked like a witch's household, baby. You know, <laughs> brooms on the wall, you know. And... This friend of mine from college came up to visit me and she comes up into the apartment and the walls are beige. It's just, what is wrong here? And I said, I told her what happened in New Mexico. 
I mean, they lost me for two hours on top of a mesa. Wow. Okay. And when they found me, I was out of my head, dancing in the middle of a thunderstorm on top of a mesa, you know? Okay. So um, they That's said That's some me, real wet stuff right there. Oh, <laughs> baby. Oh, baby. You bet. They made me the cook, by the way. There was a documentation person, photographer up there with us. And I, I hate to say this, but um, they, the guy who was supposed to come up and do the cooking had been in a car wreck before, before we got there. And he said, Cassandra, we're going to have you do the cooking. We heard you're a good camp cook. And I said, who told you that? You know, but yeah, I am. But, you know, I, I didn't understand it. So me and this other lady, we're going to do the, do the cooking. Okay. So if you saw pictures of us sitting in an afternoon teaching going on, it looked like something out of National Geographic. We're sitting in these skirts, but no tops on. <laughs> okay. I've got, I got eight by 10 glossies over in the paperwork. You know, it's crazy. So. That was the nature of this whole thing. All right. I get back there. She's like this friend of mine. Two years later, I've been getting up two or three o'clock in the morning, sitting in an empty bathtub, sketching in a sketch journal book. I don't know what it is I'm drawing, but I'm drawing this stuff. I'm writing screwy stuff around the sides. Okay. For two years. Wow. And finally, I, this friend of mine came to town. We went to college together. We we're in a theater program, that type of thing. And she says, uh, he says, I got a comparative degree in comparative religion. Let me look at that. So she flips through it and she says, Tibetan Buddhism, what else would you like to know? I said, what? <laughs> Tibetan Buddhism. I know. I've heard of Tibet. They got Buddhism there? You know? She says, yeah. So we, we drove around town, got the yellow pages out, drove around town, went to all these temples and things, and nothing resonated. We get out into the burbs, and we're driving up this, this road to, uh, up to this place. And I said, Steph, stop. And there was this place. I had the pillars in the right place in the sketch. I had the bushes in the right place. That's the place. So we hung out with the Buddhist nuns and monks for the day, had lunch with them, showed them our sketchbook. And he says, you know, things like this happen now and then. Um, you really should talk to our Kempo. Kempo's Tibetan for dean or headmaster. He was the head of Tibetan Orthodox tradition, North America. He'll be here in about six or seven months. Okay, so I started hanging out now um, for the audience. There are four great traditions in, in Tibetan Buddhism. Okay, there's the Orthodox tradition. There's Kagyu, Sakyu, and Galupa. The Dalai Lamas and Galupa, they're considered a reformed tradition. Uh, in the Orthodox tradition, we consider him a radical. <laughs> Think of it like um, the Orthodox tradition is like the Russian Orthodox priests with the big hats and big beards, and these guys are the Episcopalians. Okay, <laughs> that's the flavor. So um, I started hanging out with them. I went incognito. I volunteered in the kitchen, helped on Sunday morning when they do the meal. They fed everybody after they went to the temple and everything like this. And even a couple of my students wandered in one day. I said, Shh. <laughs> You know, I'm here incognito. Leave me alone. Mother Reese's, why are you working in the scullery, washing pots and pans? You know, Shh. okay, fine. I hung out with the Buddhists there for five months. I couldn't stand them as far as I could throw them. <laughs> Biggest pretentious bunch you ever met in your life. Fine. I don't come back to the temple for about another six weeks. I get a phone call from the monk who runs the kitchen. He says, where the heck have you been? Campo's here. 
I need you to come over and work your magic on the hors d'oeuvres. You know how to do hors d'oeuvres better than anybody. Come over here, okay? So I say, yeah, all right, fine. I'll go over there. I'm going to be in the kitchen cutting all this stuff up. I'll never see this guy ever, okay? Was my attitude. A good buddy of mine from New Jersey, she was there. Her name was Lynn, not Linda, my wife, but Lynn. And uh, Linda's a good Jewish lady, from, a Jewish lady from New Jersey. You know her little goddess pin that's got two arms coming up? She's got a Star of David welded between them. <laughs> uh, really? Okay. So neither one of us are we're going to see this guy. Okay. They tell us, oh, he's done 300 people out in the parking lot that were there for the temple and shook hands with everybody. He's coming in here. Why don't you come out here in the lobby and, we'll, you know, maybe you'll get a chance to talk to him or shake hands with him or something like that. So here he comes, this little five foot nothing guy, got a big entourage of American and Tibetan monks with him. And they're coming along, he's shaking hands, hi, how are you, hi, how are you, you know. He gets up to me, shakes hands with me, stops, goes to a European handshake, gets right up into my face and said, I know you. And I step back and look at him holding this, I've not met you in this lifetime. He said, no, not this lifetime. Two, three, four times, fast 400 years. I've worked with you before. And he shakes hands with Lynn. He said, oh, my goodness, I know you too. These two, they hang out together lifetime after lifetime. Nice to see you again. And he toddles off. My stomach is hitting the floor. Yeah. I'd always believed in reincarnation. But I never thought about it in a technical sense. Mm-hmm. His American aide leans into me, a senior monk leans into me and says, I've been with him 15 years. He plays it really close to his chest. I would go talk to him. Because what he just did with you two is unique. I've seen him do it one other time. And it's an Australian woman out in the parking lot here visiting. I would go talk to him. So they sent me up with this 15 minute appointment on Saturday, the next Saturday morning. Now you got to understand what it looked like in those days. I was Miss Corporate 90s. Charcoal suit, red power blouse, big nails, big makeup, big hair. My nickname at work was Napoleon in heels. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I was, I was, an secure, uh, I was an IT security manager and uh, an investigator mostly. And uh, so, like I said, I was a bit, a bit of a hard ass. So I go in to see this guy. I get down, the local monks had told me, oh, this is how you bow down and everything. Oh, okay, fine. He looks at me on the floor and says, get up. Get sit over here. <laughs> I've got that book with me, by the way. So he says, so what were you raised? You mean like religion? He says, yeah. I said, I was raised Roman Catholic. Oh, still Roman Catholic? No, no, I've been running with the Wicca shamans for like the last 20 years. Oh, still doing the yogi stuff, huh? <laughs> okay, I says, Have I, I've done this before. Are you good at it? And I said, yeah, I'm really good at it. You think you learned it all in one lifetime? Okay. Yeah. So he picks up the book. He says, this is how you found this. And he, he saw the pictures of, you know, the, the place and everything. He's looking at other stuff. And he says, oh, the scribbling around this one page. How did, who did that? And I said, I did about two o'clock in the morning, some particular day, the date's on there. He says, oh, this I said, what is it? I don't know what it is. It's gibberish. He said, no, it's Tibetan. I said, what? <laughs> you wrote this? And I said, yeah, at two o'clock in the morning, half asleep. Why? And he says, he starts reading. He takes the book and he starts turning it. He's reading it around the borders of this thing to me. I'm going, what the heck? Okay. About eight weeks later, he invited me and Lynn over to this event in his cottage. 
You get in there and there's these other six or seven guys in there, okay? And they're sitting on little pillows around this coffee table. He's in a big lazy boy recliner at the head of it. And then me and her are on a, a, like a, co a couch loveseat kind of thing. And there are another two guys down, down the side. So he looks at these guys. Oh, okay, why do you want this ordination? Why do you want this ordination? And each guy feels her thing. And he gets around back down to him. And he looks at me and says, oh, you've done this before. This is just a reinitiation of your vows. And he goes down to the next two guys. And Lynn and I are looking at each other and going, what did we sign up to, you know? And uh, so, okay, fine. Well, we're ordained. In the Orthodox Tibetan tradition, there are two lineages. There's the traditional yellow and burgundy sutric Buddhist nuns with the buzz cuts, the navy haircuts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. But when... When the guy who came from India, sure, uh, I, I'm going to draw a blank tonight, of course, uh, came from India a thousand years ago, the first person he taught Buddhist technology to, it's not a religion, it's really a technology. And when he taught it to him, he taught it to the shamans in Tibet first. They saw the logic of it. And then, so there's a white tradition and a red tradition. The red tradition is the um, the, Buddha, the typical Buddhist nuns dressed like the Dalai Lama, yellow and burgundy and that type of thing. And then there's the white tradition, which are the shaman tradition. And they're more of a tantric path. And we wear white and burgundy. And we can grow our hair long. We can be married. But your spouse has to be equally qualified to you. So I'm married to a, a lady who's been a Buddhist since she was 11 and is a hedge witch, okay? And uh, she actually had to interview with Kempo many years later before I could, we could get married because she had to be equally qualified to me. And he looked at me and said, she's smarter than you are, you know? So, okay, all right. So the bottom line on all this, uh, I found out the local Lama didn't want us to wear the white robes, didn't want to confuse the parishioners, so to speak. So I asked for permission. I found out that there was reciprocal privileges to wear temporary robes in the sutric path, the other path, get the buzz cut and all that. So I asked her if it was okay. And she said, go ahead, go, go over to the, the monastery and ask the head monk for some robes. Go get a haircut. So um, I did. I went to see the monk. He didn't like me. I think you're confused. You don't know what gender you are. I said, I know exactly what gender I am. You don't know what I am. <laughs> he wouldn't give me any robes. Mm. I'm an old theater person from, since high school. I went home and I made a set. First time I wore them to the temple, everybody told me what I did wrong. Oh, you did this wrong. We did that wrong. We don't wear it like that. Da, 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 da. Fine. Temple comes to town two months later, and they say, uh, they, they, a bunch of nuns went over and tattled on me. She's got non-standard robes. His aide calls me up. He wants to talk to you. I came over to see him. He's making tea. He says, oh, come in. You know, looks at me. Turn around real slow. I turned around. He says, turn around again. I turned around. He says, you're still having trouble with the reincarnation thing, aren't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I am. He says, how did you know how to make an old world cut? I said, what? He says, this is how we wore them in the early 19th century. Wow. Subtle differences, but they were subtle. And I 
said, oh my God. He said, how did you know? I said, I just made him. It seemed right. He said, well, it's right for who you used to be. Yeah. (laughs) So that got me on a different path with him. And I actually stayed in those monk robes for the next seven years. And I learned an immense amount. And then uh, he had me start a center someplace, a couple of centers. And the only people who came to my center were not the Buddhists. They were the wicked kids, the wicked uh-huh. high school kids. <laughs> and he took that as a symbol. Maybe you need to go back and teach them. Yeah. So I'm back, I went back to, in 2004, I went back to teaching the um, uh, wicked kids, as they say. You have been uh, all over the place. Yeah. You're the middle. And a lot of different things. Yeah. Like normal world things and crazy world things crazy world things (laughs) crazy world things it's it's uh you've had an amazing incredible life and now you're getting back in the saddle getting ready to do some work back in the saddle from 2004 to 2020 you know uh heck we had our own temple in um in uh, Syracuse, New York for um, just coming up on about six months until COVID hit us and it just destroyed everything, so to speak. Um, I think the the big thing to think about in all of this is how people ask me teaching and I'll say, okay, first thing, you are not your body, okay? Correct. This is just a chicken suit you put on every now and then to come Mm -hmm. play here. It's a big, think of the world and, and all the reality we know of as just one big LARP. You know, yeah, <laughs> and that's it. You know, you're going to keep coming back. And they said, well, do you remember other lifetimes? Lama taught me how to touch my past. Do I have names for all of them? No, but I have a relatively good idea on time periods. Uh, I have been run through. I've died in childbirth. I've died of malaria. I have died of cholera, uh, you know, uh, dysentery, you name it. You know, I've been run through with spears. Uh, I, I The last one before this lifetime went down in a... German submarine in World War II. Okay, mm. okay. So our conversation has gone completely full circle now. We started with submarine. Funny how that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something I think is interesting about this too that I've been thinking about um, through this part of the conversation is uh, as I've gotten more into spiritualism over the last few years, I've realized uh, Wicca. Um, whatever kind of gets attached to those things uh, in our modern society has so much of an attachment to all religions, really, but also Eastern philosophy, you know, in a big way, much bigger than people realize. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really interesting that you have, I'm seeing that connection again there with you. Well, Mm -hmm. well, remember one thing with Gardner, he incorporated stuff from Aleister Crowley um, stuff he learned with the New Forest Witches and stuff from um, um, uh, uh, the Masons, okay? Mm. So he kind of made that up. So did Alex Sanders to some degree. This was all being authored. But the people who wrote books like uh, Drawing Down the Moon and uh, Starhawk's uh, Spiral Dance, they're second-generation people. And Starhawk was deeply influenced by the Buddhism, okay, mm. being out in California and such. So a lot of that, those elements are there. But the thing is... It's if you really think about things, especially if you look at it from the witchcraft view or an Eastern view, they they walk parallel. We believe in we believe in reincarnation. The Wiccans do. The Buddhists do. You know, uh, 
as my Lama put it, he says, can you tell your Wiccan friends that reincarnation, yeah, it's a, it's a fact of life, but it's really not a good thing. You should be getting out of the burning house and not coming back. <laughs> you know, and, and and that's part of what I do is my mission was to come back and be a priestess, but salt a little bit of Dharma in there and show them where there's a few holes in the wicked in the wicked belief that says you should really be trying to get out of the cyclic existence of reincarnation. Well, that's Please. that that's interesting, too, because with the conversations we've had, uh, especially with Ginny, where we've talked about the raw contact. And, mm-hmm. and and the the idea of moving up to higher moving density levels. Moving out, yeah. Ra is the sun god as of, of, of okay Egypt. Well, now we're going back full circle again because Ra <laughs> yes, is actually are. an alien, uh, a, a group of alien entities from a right. long, long time ago. That okay, you, supposedly for from the planet Venus. No problem. And yeah, and in the eighties, a group of people channeled this entity who called itself Ra and have, they have two. Ra is the sun God. He is a fun God. Ra, Ra. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that, that's something that we've really dived into a lot. And it's all about (laughs) the, the moving up and trying not to have to be stuck in this cycle of uh where we are. I never got to introduce myself. (laughs) I never got to introduce myself. My name is Cheryl Costa. I am a priestess of the goddess Aset. I am about service, sacrifice, compassion, and love unto all things. Now, people say, in the audience, they're saying, who the heck is Aset? That's the Egyptian name for the Greek translation of Isis. Yeah. I, I have been working for her since 1990, and I didn't yeah. pick her. She found me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of parallels there because this whole yeah. idea that, you know, going back to the extraterrestrial thing about extraterrestrials existing not necessarily in the flesh and blood like we exist in flesh and blood but actually being in a higher dimension in a higher uh, level a higher level of yeah. consciousness exactly if you think uh-huh. of think of consciousness in in like le- uh, levels okay it's like one of those milkshakes that's got all the different yes. colored levels in it you know uh-huh. it's, it's kind of like that you know uh even the way i teach it to my students these days i said why are you invoking gods? They got, they're just as messed up as we are in most cases. I said, if you're going to do magic, stop invoking gods. And for my goddess, she says, do it yourself. You have the same spark we do. You know? Yeah, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, that is exactly it. And so, and I, I the extraterrestrial side of that, I'm there with you because um, once you start. Again, I teach this idea of not teaching spell casting early on. I, I'm into the idea of if you're going to do magic, you have to be able to connect the source to do it or the force or whatever you want to call it. And, and too many witches got trained out there in the 80s and 90s that were taught with spell casting up front. And that's all they do. And they go to a lot of ceremonies and they go to a lot of festivals, but they don't do the divining side of a son. Well, okay. I don't. I don't think that's so uncommon, though. Just like a lot of mainstream religions, everything becomes about ritual. Everything uh, becomes about ritual and not the, the actual connection. connection. Yeah. And if you look at my my Facebook page, the banner says "less ritual, more magic and joy." Mm-hmm. Okay. So, 
they have managed to seduce us with the big ceremonies and the big the big churches and all the theater and everything like this but mm-hmm. it, it it's it's what the religion what the faith is truly about is something deeper and more profound and once you start doing the deeper meditations and getting past all the stuff running around in your subconscious that keeps coming up and bothering you and everything once you get past a lot of that you start finding a, a deeper connection of what we're going to call the woo Okay. Woo, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've had students ask me, says, can we touch an alien on Zeta Reticuli 39 light years from now? And I said, yeah, but you're not going to do it the first time you sit down and meditate. You got to clear your head. You got to really make your head, your mind quiet to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I teach in my book. I start out, I, t- I teach you, this is what magic is and this is what it is not. And and you, you really need to learn to quiet because our business is not waving wands, lighting, lighting, lighting candles, dressing candles, playing, charging crystals in the moonlight. What we do is turn thought into form. Yes, thoughts are things. That's, that's it. That, that's so great because <laughs> I I'm, I'm someone who has just recently, you know, kind of been getting into um, into this and uh starting meditation and, and and things like that and i and i and i found that it really is so far it's more about it's like this uh dormant thing that can be activated and i think ritual is something that can allow it to be activated uh, for someone to be able to set aside their ego to a certain extent yeah um but uh yeah i mean i think it's becoming pretty obvious that there's there's uh there's a source there's there's something that you can connect with, and I think it just has a bunch of different names, you know, around think the about, world for what that source is. Think about our modern Western culture. Everything in our modern Western culture. Now I'm going to sound like an old school Baptist. Honey, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> you really need to get all that distraction out of your out of your life. You know, you can't be walking into bars and restaurants that have 20 televisions that's going on and have any kind of straight thoughts or quietness in your mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, that's how I used to talk. <laughs> but uh, that's the key thing is, is our whole society is set up to distract you. Uh-huh. Okay. They don't want you to know. That's why they pass all those laws in the 60s. We don't want you taking mind-altering drugs because you might not trust the government. And mind-altering drugs tend to make you not want to trust the government. You know, <laughs> and And also show you that everything around you is artificial and is fake everything we see in reality everything we touch in reality is fake it's a trumped up theme park yeah very much so yeah i would agree with that assessment i would agree with that assessment for sure it's it's constant it's con- it's a constant barrage on your senses. Yes, uh, and it's you know, and it's just increased. And um, I, you know, I don't say that to be judgmental on anyone because I'm the exact same way. Like there's we're a million all victims things. of being trained that way. You know, and there's so, a million yeah. things that you know, you know, look for what we're talking about now. I mean, this is informative. I think there's good things that come out of it, but it's still a form of entertainment. So rest your mind. But then on Thursday night, you come in here and watch the witching hours. And there you then, go. Yeah, 
you know, you go, go buy some books from Cheryl from Amazon. We got the link in <laughs> chat there. And, you know, and then, and then do some meditation, you know. If you want to get a crazy book from Cheryl, okay, other than the witch book, you know, Magical Musings of a Rogue Witch, um, the other, if you like really strange stories, and if you're a fan of, like, Rod Serling, there's a book, a little green book on there called Charmaine's Tales. You should, you should look at that, because some of that stuff is flash fiction, but every single one in there reads like something Rod Serling might have written, and I, I throw some pretty wacky ideas at you in <laughs> some cases, and it is the these stories were written since I lived in a monastery, and I'll show you what a monastery life will do to a sane mind, you know. Um, but that's something Cheryl. also that with his stories that, that, that made you question your reality. So, yes. you know, and, and made you question what was possible and what wasn't possible. And Cheryl, you um, never told us what was the two souls thing. Uh, I'm, I'm a two spirits person. What um, does that mean? I'm a they. <laughs> so does it, is it like you literally have like two souls? Like no, that, with, that was the Native American approach to it because. Or they were just pointing out that you were well, trans. Well, well, let me give you an example. Um, I was at a UFO, uh, not UFO. I was at a, um, it's a bit UFO. Um, I was at a Star Trek convention in 1982. And okay. I'm sitting here, little mushroom cut, a little shorter than I am now. And I was sitting there having dinner in the bar, tall stables, right? And uh, we're all sitting there in our Starfleet uniforms having dinner. And there's this great conversation going on. And one of the gay, my gay friends is up there talking to da 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 da, da. And, and every time he pointed at me, he said, and they da 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 did this, okay? Da 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 And they did that, you know? And finally this woman stopped him and says, why are you calling that poor woman they? And he looked at her and he said, honey, you look at her for 10 minutes and tell me if they isn't appropriate. <laughs> and we went back to the conversation. Da, 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 and then she stopped, tugged on his uniform and said, she cycles. One minute she's projecting male, one minute she's projecting female, then she's projecting they. <laughs> oh my God. You know, it was, it's great. But you just have to accept it. So I am a unity being, and I, I'm a gender outlaw. I do, I am a unity being, I am what I am. I do not embrace the biology. I well, am not I mean, body. I don't think our souls have uh, genders, you know? No, we have all the genders. It's, yeah, it's like... Okay. We're just and I've had arguments in. with high-level monks about this stuff. We're just coming into these skin suits for a temporary time. Well, okay, yeah. all the faiths on this planet are patriarch-based right now. Mm -hmm. They didn't used to be. No, no. Okay, but here's I'll show you how bad it is. And people, even the Buddhists, say, oh no, no, no we can't be, <laughs> you know, you know. And I said, I'll show you. And I was at a convent, uh, a, a Buddhist convention someplace once. So I came in, I'm in Tibetan robes, buzz cut, just like all the rest of the nuns. I come walking in and I sit down with the nuns. Of course, the, the, the monks were sitting up on stage. Mm -hmm. Okay. They came down, plucked me out of the group, brought me up on stage with them. I had no more sat down. Three nuns came up, grabbed me and took me back down below. Ultimately, this went on two or three times. And I finally just 
pushed both of them away. I sat in front of the nuns, in front of the monks. Okay, in between. I am a bridge between the genders. Okay, and I had to teach that to some very high-level Buddhist yogis and lamas. Wow. I said, we've all had different biology in other realms of existence in our lifetimes, in other lives. Uh-huh. We've been in other species that have other reproductive rights, okay, and, uh, uh, and processes. I said, but we are still the f- same. We are that living being. So here I am. I'm a spark, a, a, chip, of the, a chip of the great consciousness, still trying to get it right. And here I am. And oh, by the way, I'm not playing the game of gender, guys. I am everybody. And they didn't know what to make of it. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but when we went to go out and have dinner, the, the nuns were going to be sitting at a little dinky table, and all the monks were going to be at this big, long table and everything. The monks invited us over. Now, I thought, okay, fine. Okay, great. Good, good, good. I go back to I'm, uh, the Tibetan. American Tibetan monks didn't want me living with them. The nuns didn't want me, and the monks didn't want me. Okay? Remember, we're all still students. The Burmese monks took a liking for me, and they hated seeing what these other people were doing to me, and they invited me to come live with them. So I lived with the Burmese monks for like about four years. I had a blast with them, okay? <laughs> Every weekend we had to go bless somebody's house or somebody's babies. Usually it was houses. Somebody bought a house. We'd come over there and smudge the place and chant prayers all around it and everything, and they'd feed us good. And uh, <laughs> So it was a great gig. You know, I liked them, and I still see them every now and then. But the bottom line is, as a witch, embrace the idea that this whole... I don't even like to do the great right anymore in my ceremonies when I do it. I don't call God and goddess. I call source. Mm-hmm. I call the force behind the gods and goddesses. Okay. I treat a non-secretarian. The gods are just as messed up. That's how I teach it when, I, when I'm teaching right now. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to shut up. I'm going to add, let Jenny please <laughs> ask me some questions because you've got a ton of questions and Frost over here keeps keeps interrupting. Please, Jenny, ask me some questions. Well, I was just going to say that your comment about the gods and goddesses are just as messed up. Um, I am part of my medium abilities is channeling entities and energies. Mm. And we had uh, Athena come through last week which was insane because i've only ever experienced a deity like one time before it was sekhmet so that was my second oh, my deity God. yeah big deal yeah oh, second so big deal. athena comes through and she's like women's power you know she's just like ah it's female power blah blah blah, blah. and it's like clearly she wasn't all correct you know i mean it's like there's more to it than that but that's the message that she was trying to get across to us you know what a set's whispering been whispering in my ear for three years what's that bring back the matriarchy the boys screwed it up yeah (laughs) apparently athena was probably saying the same thing but it's like i could see the fallibility and and what she was trying to say because it it's not just the jet like you like we just been talking about it's not just the gender of these physical forms that we have right now like that's not what it really is that's not what it really is because this is like our illusion you know 
Okay, you, do you want to, okay, now we're going to get to that point where we touch a little bit of the UFO along with what we teach. Okay. Okay. Go Let's for go. it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was Eve that was first, not, not Eve, her, that Eve, that Eve, but it was female first. The arts, and this comes down in, in Taoist teachings, it comes down in Hindu teachings in many, many, many cities, okay? Children can be produced by a woman parthogenically, and it's done uh, with certain magical processes, okay? Isis produced Horus this way. A later incarnation of Isis was who we called Mother Mary, and they were part of a priestess clan that deeply understood magic. Okay? And the X chromosomes have all the elements to produce either kind of human being. Okay? And this got lost as the, 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 these women who were these, the special magical sect. And it's in the Bible. If you don't, those you're listening to me. Oh, that can't be. Go read the Bible. Sarah was barren and beyond childbearing years. Mm -hmm. She went out into the desert and she came back pregnant and had, had a son. Okay. Mary. You know, everybody always dances around the thing because it wasn't Joe, it wasn't Joe's, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Poor Joe. <laughs> but this was done magically. Okay. And Isis did the same thing with Horus. Okay. And so this is this is a technology. And the thing is, it's been rediscovered in our century. And I know people who have been associated with the research of the process are very, very well-educated people. I've interviewed some of them. And it's actually been done in this century. Wow. Parthogenic rebirth, okay? And it's, it's complicated, but it can be done. The deal is, um, we have to bring back the matriarchy because the, the remnants of those highly educated women, they had great power. Hence, we had the Vestal Virgins. You have to be a virgin in order to do this parthenogenic thing, okay? So they had the Vestal Virgins, but gradually all these things just got diluted and diluted and diluted. The nuns that were in the Catholic Church were the last vestiges of this, okay? But the matriarchy is coming back with the women's movement. People are starting to take power again. The goddesses are behind us on this, okay? And th this is the deal. And you know, it sounds funny coming from somebody who had to earn her self okay but it's the way things are the way it's looked at the way i've had it explained to me i have had a ritual death mm. okay so you feel like that's what happened to you when you were dancing in the thunderstorm on the mesa was that your ritual death i had already changed by then okay okay the ritual death happened at my change Okay, for all, mm -hmm. he died. Yes. He died. And, um, and I became, and it isn't necessarily because the body was hacked up a certain way or something like that. Mm -hmm. There was a, I was given a ritual the night before by a, a large coven in Ohio, near Youngstown, Ohio, where I had my surgery. 
and they were kind enough to have me come out and stay with them the weekend before I went in for my surgery. In fact, they drove me to my hospital. Okay. And they did a rather large ceremony with me because at that point, sky clad in the circle, I was both. I had been in hormones enough years. I, I was fully endowed breast wise and I still had a male phallus. So I had it. I was an embodiment of the unity being, so to speak. And uh, they did a very big ritual around that. And then uh, in fact, they were the ones who visited me in the hospital the 10 days I was in the hospital. My own family wouldn't come to see me. They only talk to me now. So um, the, the deal is that was a ritual death for all intents and purposes for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that, that ceremony sounds, yeah. at that point. Okay, um, and that's a big deal. And oh, yeah. it, it was a year later, I was doing one of these. Um, a lot of people touch witchcraft through like a free course or a $10 course somebody offered down a little free university downtown, you know, where they mm-hmm. taught like a one night crash course and something. And I did one downtown DC. It did a bunch of them like that, but I did one downtown one night and I. Asked the students who were like 25, 30 of them in there, I said, I, I can do a circle here with all of you. And they all said, yes, please do that. So I did. And that particular night when I went to go invoke goddess, like everybody else at Rattle the Garden area, which we were in, in, invoking all these Greek gods, you know, Athena or, you know, whatever. And, and Isis slipped off my lips. So I thought to myself, when I invoked her, I said, how did that happen? <laughs> so I did some research and everything, called my father up, who's barely talking to me. I said, Dad, talk to me a little bit more about our ancestry on your side of the family. He told me we descend from Portuguese and Moorish pirates. I didn't think that was a fit. But okay, maybe I come naturally to North African gods. Okay. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had my DNA done, Ancestry.com. Oh, baby. Not only are we Portuguese on my dad's side, we are Berber all through North Africa. Wow. So I get come by it honestly from that standpoint. But um, the gods touch you in a certain way if you quiet yourself long enough to let them talk to you. Mm-hmm. And you, you hear priestesses joke about this, you know. I make that joke about... Um, you know, she left a voicemail message on my answering machine saying, you're back in business, kid, you know. Um, for the people who are listening to this broadcast who don't really know that much about this, we don't bow down before our goddess. Our relationship is like an adult child to a parent. It's very loving, very giving. And sometimes when you really need a hug, it's only the goddess is going to give you one. I love that. We just had a, a viewer come in um, who it was upset because they're not understanding all the conversation. And she just said that she's Berber. Cool. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. It's I hope like, I just, I just told, touched yeah. your soul, baby. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like she was supposed to be here. <laughs> Oh, he is a boy. Sorry. It's okay. It's He's okay. supposed to be here. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, Julio. I see it at the end now. Hello, Julio. Julio. <laughs> there are no coincidences, yeah. right? But, but <laughs> the funny thing about it is, well, like, I, I can't speak any Berber. I did learn Zagari. You know, I, <laughs> I can do Zagari for some reason, you know, so. Um, so. so. Jenny. Real quick, stay stay right there. I just want to kind of cool. kind of reset this. So 
Uh, our guest is Cheryl Costa. We uh, we still have a little bit of time, uh, yes. but I just want to put out there for everyone in chat: if you have a question, uh, if you have a question for our guest, uh, just go ahead and uh, type that in the chat so we can get around to uh, audience questions. And we please, will go please, back. Let's do that. We will go back uh, before we uh, get off here tonight. Uh, and for the people who had specific questions about what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, which was uh, UFO sightings and, and where you live. So, mm -hmm. um, so feel free to go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to nope. make sure we knew they could ask questions if they wanted to in chat. Jenny, more yes. of your questions, please. Oh, priestess to priestess. I had please. questions written down. I my hope questions. I did. I, I'm sorry, I ran at the mouth. I didn't. Oh no, you're fine. Um, mine were all UFO stuff. So maybe we should go back around to the UFO okay. stuff because we were going to have full circle. Yeah, we're going to talk about the places too because I had written those down. Um, what was your personal? What are your some of your personal experiences yeah. with UFOs? That you can share. <laughs> Some of you might not be that able won't, to. That won't make people in black suits come up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not terribly out about it. Or maybe like your things. first one. Like, what was the first time? First UFO, UFO or first time I was touched by ET? Which one? Both, if you uh, want. Five years old ET. I wow. remember little bulbous headed guys. This is for anybody who at Grays were little bulbous headed guys with black eyes trying to drag me through a, 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 a hatch kind of thing. Okay. And in those days, it was like in the fifties, mom would dress me for bed in one of those like little suits, you know, the thing with the mm -hmm. little the feet thingies feet. and everything, yeah. you know, right. Mm -hmm. You know, took her 20 minutes to get you into it, you know, <laughs> and took her 20 minutes, <laughs> 20 minutes to get you out of it and everything, yeah. you know, and it was um, every now and then they would find me not in it in the morning okay mm -hmm. didn't really make any connection to it until i was 14 and then i had a lost time event got grounded for a month because it was, it was after dark when i got home and it was many hours after dark when i got home and got yelled at severely and all this kind of stuff but um that was my lost time event i have predominantly screen memories okay uh, what screen memory is for your audience is you don't remember it or you might remember a bird or a bat or something you know it, uh, uh -huh. they somehow have a way to turn on images from your inborn genetic uh, archetypes okay and uh, they turn it on psychically somehow uh, and all I really have is those on the other hand when I was courting my spouse after I was, remember I read, ran all those Buddhist temples uh, mm -hmm. thing or, or local sh play uh, centers um uh i had been released from my vows my my vows is a, a a nun so i was going back to white robes and linda wanted to date me we were friends we met in larp of all places you know <laughs> and um Speaking of larping yeah yeah so it was kind of fun i was playing i remember i had a buzz cut because i was buddhist then so like i could play boys easily you know mm -hmm. so I, I played this retired french Foreign Legion Colonel, you know, Colonel DeMarco. <laughs> and uh, the, it's fun. I got great pictures of him. Um, so the deal was, um, I took her aside one day and I said, look, first thing, clairvoyance runs down the maternal side of my family. So if I take you to meet my family for this Sunday dinner, it's like going to be like going to the Adams family <laughs> because they talk as freely about ghosts and bump in the night as most people talk about their cars. Mm hmm. 
and it was like that. The other thing I took her aside, I know what that's like, yeah. I know you know that. that. (laughs) And then the other thing I said to us is, look, I've been kind of banged around by these guys for a long time. Mm -hmm. So you may find me some days I've had some kind of, you'll you'll get up in the night and you'll find me not in bed and I'm not in the apartment. Then you'll find black and blue marks on me a couple of days later, things, things like this. And, and they said, yeah, I says, I, I think it's ET. And she says, oh, I've been going to the National Freudian Society for years. I know all about that. You know, so <laughs> we were a good fit at that point. Yeah. Um, still don't know what they do with me, but I, when I used to not having a good idea of what to write for a column, suddenly, for some reason, I knew what to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's so much as I can... been happening your whole life. Yeah. And it's still happening. Yeah. And don't wow. let anybody tell you the reptilians are bad guys. The reptilians are sweet. They, uh, at least the ones we know, uh, they're intelligent. They're enlightened. They've got a sense of humor and they're wonderful to have over fatigue. <laughs> and I don't say that, I don't say sufficiently, you know, whatever. Yeah. We don't say it that way. I'm being straight up with you. Okay. They had been with us since the garden. Mm. They were the ones who told, if you want to go back into Christian oh, mythology. The snake. Uh, they, they were the ones who said, Hey Eve, you're better here's than the, this. Here's your apple. <laughs> no, no, the yeah. apple was not apple. No, not that. It was beer. Oh, even better. Gobeki <laughs> Tempe. I've got this from the Smithsonian oh, researchers. Gobeki yeah. Tempe. It was a gathering place for all the hunter gatherer tribes. And men would go out there and hunt and everything. And they bring all that food back and all these, um, all this meat back. And they would feast in all these different clan areas in Gobeki Tempe. And what they've discovered was that there were these pits that these women had that they brewed beer in using wild grains and the partying went on as long as the beer held out suddenly the only way they could make more beer would be to cultivate and the reptilians who were the teachers who brought us laws and taught us things like farming taught them how to make cultivated grains Mm. therefore more beer so if Adam fell from grace. He fell because she gave him more beer. <laughs> okay. The, the, the downfall of, of the human race. Okay. <laughs> now let's go a step further. If you still want happening, ch- still happening, uh, it's still happening. Now, if you want to know who these um, um, uh were, there's two kinds that are here. They're the ones that are the teachers and the ones that are the anthropologists that study them, study us. The ones that were the teachers caught on to what her, their friend in, in Turkey did, what we'd call Turkey, Mesopotamia now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look up the Sumerian goddess of beer, the Egyptian goddess of beer, the uh, uh, Mesopotamian goddess of beer, all the beer goddesses of that region, those are the names of the reptilian teachers that were here with you wow okay that's pretty cool we have okay. uh go ahead question a question from chat uh void count loose wants to know have you had any interactions with the pleiadians or have you know anything about them? <laughs> <laughs> i don't like them no I I, i've not met one and i don't want to 
We have them come through on a regular basis for Void Cat Loose. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. They're always very entertaining for us. <laughs> yeah, but they're full of themselves, too. I can see some of them, yeah. We have yeah. one in particular that's pretty... He seems pretty humorous and laid back. Okay, but then, you know, the funny thing was anybody I have interacted with and Lama and I had a talk about this once upon a time. And he says, they got a great sense of humor, don't they? I said, yeah, <laughs> he says, that's what being a little bit more enlightened will do for you. Yeah. You know? So they have a good sense of humor. They're good yeah. conversationalists. And if you want to engage them in deep conversation, not trivial crap, they will go there with you. Uh, I'm going to go back a ways for this question. This came from Keisha. Uh, she was talking about, uh, I'm going to buy, uh, buy the book when I can, but I'm crazy curious about White County, Tennessee. I'm wondering about if the name Dave Cole or Charles Cole sounds familiar. He's a friend I have no who, idea. He's a friend who loves UFO things and has written two books. But White County, Tennessee, Keisha was curious about that. It's pronounced Tennessee. Tanasi. Yeah. It's the pro proper pronunciation. Proper. Okay. You said Americans, we don't pronounce anything correctly. White County. Uh, White County's not in the top 20. Okay. Okay. Um, now, you got to make more phone calls, Keisha. The, the, no, Takesha, if you go out onto Amazon, you'll find if you go if you go in for Amazon in Amazon search and say UFOs in Tennessee and where to find them, you will find a book dedicated to Tennessee yes. and it goes right down to the zip code and village level. And if White County's had sightings, it will be in that book, I guarantee you. Awesome. Excellent. So here are some other ones to look up. Pennsylvania. That's easy. Pennsylvania is in the top 10. Mm. There you go. Right here by all alphabetical here. Okay. So let me go back to these, come before Z's. And almost there. I don't know. Okay. I'll go back one. Again, I didn't, I don't have all the state books myself. Uh, That's a lot of books. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. Pennsylvania, come on. It's late. Yeah, uh -huh. it is. Way past my bedtime. <laughs> Hang on a minute here. Oh, come on. E. This is going to be hard. This is, this is, this is uh, Nevada. Okay, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico. North Carolina. I know Pennsylvania is in here, baby. Yeah, I know it is there. No problem. So there. while you're looking that up, I just want to remind everybody, uh, tomorrow we'll be having uh, Medium Jenny Lee will be doing our Friday stream. I'm looking forward to Yay. it. Back to some, for me, it'll be a escape to back to some normalcy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got Pennsylvania. All right, excellent. All right, Pennsylvania. Ranks number six in the country for sightings. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Okay. There you go. Hoax. Over 20 years, it was 7,043 for 20 years, about 350 a year, about 30 a month, about seven a week, and about one a day. And the top counties were Allegheny, Bucks, Philadelphia, Montgomery County, Chester County, Westmoreland County, Lancaster County, Berks County, and York County. Top cities, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Allentown, Erie, uh, Reading at Reading, and uh, Harrisburg, Harrisburg and Lancaster. Wow. Yeah. And that and, and that's that's uh you know, if you missed the beginning, uh uh obviously you'll be able to go back and I'll put this up in as podcast form this weekend. Uh but um basically wherever you live in the United States, uh there's UFOs being seen. Uh the the um uh the statistics that we heard at the beginning a whole of the show. Were, hell of a lot of them. Essentially, <laughs> if you... <laughs> and there's a book for every single state. So if you yeah. go into Amazon and go into book search for Amazon and say UFOs in and the name of your state and where to find them, kind of like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, UFOs in Pennsylvania and where to find them or wherever you are, yeah. um, there will a book will come up for you and it's dedicated to your state exclusively with detail down to the zip code and village level. Amazing. Is there any information as far as cataloging what kind of um, what kind of sighting they're having, like what objects looks like or anything like that? Okay, well, what will happen is if you get the book and then you go and you look up your county, you look up your zip code, and then here's the cities that are in your zip code, okay? And when you find your city, if they had sightings, what you'll find is there'll be a list of all the shapes that had been seen in 20 years there. And it goes across and there's like 2020, uh, 2001 through 2020. And it'll tell you how many they had that year of that shape. Now it doesn't tell you where, mm -hmm. okay. Other than the fact that it was in your county or your village or whatever. Now, if your village is not in there, they never reported a sighting. Mm. Okay. In fact, when we plot it out by, by zip codes and things like that, you look at the average state, it looks like Swiss cheese, the places where they're being reported and the places where they're not being reported. Mm -hmm. So don't yell at me and give us a terrible review because a UFO wasn't reported in your, in your village or your zip code. I can't Might help that. You don't report them. We can't count them. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I want, I want to ask you, Cheryl, I, um, I won't go through the whole sighting because I've talked about it on here uh, enough times for everyone. Um, but I did have a sighting uh, probably around the year, around the year 2000. Um, but it was in Richmond, Virginia. And what I saw in the sky on the rooftop of a building in Richmond was like a blue boomerang. And it looked like a flame, uh, like, a, like, a, like a blue flame, but it was shaped like a boomerang. And it hung in the sky I sat there and watched it with uh, with a coworker, and it just stayed in the sky, not moving. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it just zipped away. Have you ever heard of a sighting that uh, with uh, uh, that kind of detail? Boomerang. Yeah. 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 Now, color-wise, that's a perception thing based about the energy, whatever they're radiating. But um, boomerangs, uh, lots of them. I, I've seen one. Actually, I've seen two of the, the boomerang ones, okay? Um, I saw one when I was 14, and I saw, an, uh, my wife and I saw one uh, about five years ago. We have access to a cottage up in the Thousand Islands, and we were on the American side, and we uh, saw this boomerang coming over from the Canadian side. 
and it had a whole row of lights on the bottom of it, you know, kind of like mm -hmm. the, the pictures you see from the Stephenson sighting back in the 50s and things. So, yeah, I've seen the boomerangs there. Um, there's a lot of them out there. Hmm. Well, we are just about hit that time. I still have about yep. 50 questions I could ask, but we, we've been <laughs> have, going for about me, two hours. Have me back sometime in the near future. We would future. love to. We'd we love to come back to and talk back. to y'all. Yes. yes. We would There's, love to have yeah. you back. Thank you so much for coming on the program. You only have 50 questions? I think I got about a thousand. Uh, I know tomorrow night, because Medium Jenny Lee does her stream tomorrow night, and everyone's yeah. going to be in there talking about this, and they'll mm -hmm. be, oh, I should have asked this, and I should have asked that. Yeah. And so <laughs> they'll be ready. Uh, so write so, your questions down, people. Yeah. So next time we have Cheryl on, you can ask <laughs> your questions. Um, um, one thing, if uh, a lot of people might want to come try and join my Facebook group and things like this, sure. uh, I do scrutinize the people who I, I allow to friend in. Okay. So if, if they're really heavy into the fascist thing and all that stuff, uh, I don't take them in, but uh, most people are pretty gentle. And if you clearly your page, your, your postings look like somebody who's uh, into witchcraft, I'll probably let you join. Awesome. Excellent. So yeah, go uh, with the link has been up on top of the chat all night. Uh, if you're interested in your state, go buy the book, uh, go look up uh, Cheryl Costa and, and try to and see if you can make it into the group there. Um, and, and if you want to study witchcraft, get this book, exactly. Magical Music, Musings of a Rogue Witch. I'm Magical very interested in your, uh, your fictional book too. Sounds fun creepy stories and that we're getting ready to come out with Charmaine's two and three. Awesome. I love some creepy stories. And they, they get creepier yet. <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. We do a, um, uh, make it a little confusing. We do a false finish here. So we're going to end the podcast part, but then we're going to uh, get ready. We'll still do a little bit on Twitch. So I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to everyone uh, listening to the podcast tonight. Thank you for coming in and we will see you all next time.